There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Internet Marketing. Welcome back to the show where we give you the lowdown, the inside information, the word from the experts to help you use the internet as part of your marketing machine. Internet marketing is brought to you by AI Digital at www.ai-digital.com. Episode 43 and in today's show Daniel and I discuss how companies can utilize digital marketing effectively during a recession and we take a look at some rather nice new tools from Google. Enjoy. Hello everyone, I'm sitting with our resident expert Mr Dan Rouse in a strange room, Dan. We're in a different room today, aren't we? You can probably tell from the acoustics. Yeah, we're changing things around. We're, uh, we're moving our staff around because we had a very busy couple of months, which I'll, I'll come on to explaining in a minute, which ties in with the whole financial situation at the moment. So it's actually good news from the recession, which is quite an interesting one. But I love this room. Actually, it's, acoustically, it's very nice. There's so much junk in this room that it uh, absorbs and deflects all the sound, so it's actually quite dead acoustically. Anyway, Dan, so what's been going on? I know a lot has been going on since we last spoke, which was only about three weeks ago, I know, but what's been happening? You look very excited and busy and stuff. Um, the podcast, we've had quite a bit of contact with people through the podcast. Um, one excellent thing that happened, Adrian Rowe from Red Sea Marketing got in contact, and we've answered one of Adrian's questions previously, and he invited me to go up and speak at an IDM and DMA, so that's the Institute of Direct Marketing and the Direct Marketing uh, Association's conference they did up in Manchester. So we went up there and spoke about uh, using social media for search, which was great. That was very kind of Adrian, so I thought I'd say hello, um, and anyone else that was actually at that conference as well. And we've had a couple of other people. Adrian Richards from Aurora Clinics got in contact, and we're going to do some podcasting work with him. And uh, Jeff Newman from Accounting Jobs got in contact as well, and we're talking about doing some work with them. So it's interesting how people have been listening for a long time. Mm and gradually start to make contact. So if you're doing podcasting yourself, but you're not seeing any great results from it immediately, just stick with it. Because what we found is that um, over a period of time, people get engaged and they listen more. And as they become an engaged member of the audience, they then get in contact after a while. So it's actually a very, very effective marketing channel. Um, So I've, I've been really impressed and we've had some great feedback. And actually, because people are engaged with the podcast, they're teaching us things as well. Um, like Kieran from UK Sailing Academy, who came on before and did a little uh, piece for us. Yeah, we spoke to him before, didn't we? Yeah, and that was really fantastic because I learned a lot from him as well. So I think it's a good turn from, and there's some real kind of Web2E social media elements to podcasting, although it is a transmission medium. So He's now doing his own podcast, isn't he? 
He is. He started doing a, a series of podcasts. So if you go to UKSA.org, have a look, um, and you can find his series of podcasts. And they're actually very, very well and probably even better produced than ours. I'm really very, very impressed. So uh, I think that's more down to him being a bit more well-prepared than me, I think. Oh, nothing could be better these than these uh, podcasts because they're just produced. Oh, well, never mind. I'm moving on. <laughs> um, what I was going to say to you was, um, yeah, yeah, this thing about podcasting, it's a bit of a slow burner, isn't it? It's, it's a sort of a trust-building uh, marketing technique, so you do have to be patient, but um, the rewards do come if you're just consistent at the podcast, and you do it with an attitude of, 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 of giving in your heart, I always think. Yeah, I think it's really about providing something of value. It's like all the web things to talk about is that you need to provide content that's valuable. And if you do that over a long period of time, then you do get people engaging with you and feeding back, which is really, really useful. Um, now, what- we're going we're gonna to be talking about, um, today we're talking about um, digital marketing, digital marketing in a recession, are we not, Dan? Yeah, I want to touch on digital marketing recession, then talk on to Google Analytics as well, because we've done Google Analytics a bit lately. But I think it's very important in a situation where people are worrying about budgets, people are having less money to spend, that they get more from what they've got. And Google Analytics really allows you to do that. And there's some excellent new bits and pieces in there. So I want to talk about that. But the first thing is really just to quickly talk about this marketing in a recession. Um, I'm talking at a Chartered Institute of Marketing event this evening on exactly that topic. And everywhere you look, there are people doing events on how to market in a recession and so on and so forth. The one thing I'll say is that as a digital marketing agency, we've seen more business in the last two months than we've ever seen before, Okay, mm-hmm. which completely bucks the trend. Now, the reason behind that is twofold. One, things like the podcast we've been doing on a slow burn for a long period of time. And they build up and it's that kind of uh, very effective marketing that's all about actually engaging with people that does the trick. But it's also because of all the things we talk about, like um, the ability to get your return on investment from your digital marketing. You can actually monitor what's going on. Lots of people are shifting budget from offline marketing into online marketing. A huge amount of people, Uh, lots of recruitment job boards, a lot of actual traditional marketing businesses starting to do more of that kind of thing. So it's interesting to see how it's all changing a little bit and people are shifting their budgets. And we picked up some fantastic clients through that. So what I'd say is all the things we talked about in terms of digital marketing, stick with it. Don't start panicking because there's a recession. If you do the things we're talking about, it does actually bring the business in because people are using the online channel more in this kind of environment. Um, When people are concerned about how much money they're spending, they're doing searches online to see if they can get a better deal. Uh, They're trying to engage with people online to learn more themselves, to see what they could do in-house and what they can take out and so on. So if you're really providing value and showing you know what you're talking about, it's going to help you build business because people are going to trust you. And trust in this kind of um, environment, I think, is more and more important. Mm. And there was an interesting comment um, from Michael Nutley from New Media Age. He was talking about how you control your brand in the online environment, how that's affecting a recession. And basically what he was saying is that you can't control your brand online. There's lots of things you can try and do to control your brand online, but essentially you have to get out there and just put it out there. Um, And I think that's particularly important in the current climate because people are out there searching, looking, engaging and trying to work out where they can save money and where they should be spending their budget. Mm. So um, really bear in mind, do the things we've been talking about, look at the traffic you're getting, try and do a bit more with it, and that's what's brought me on to want to talk about analytics a bit more today. So what are these fresh fresh bits of information on analytics that we uh, didn't cover last time then, Dan? Okay, well, first of all, uh, something called uh, advanced segments. Really, really important. What we spoke about last time is you can set up different profiles that allow you to look at different groups of your audience differently. Okay? What segments does is make that a lot easier and allow you to access it in one place, but add some uh, much more clever, detailed information in there. 
First of all, if you go to advanced segments on the left-hand menu in, in Google Analytics once you've logged in, and you'll go in there and you'll see a really great drag-and-drop menu. And essentially, it gives you two things, one called dimensions and one called metrics. And essentially what they are, dimensions are things like duration of stay, city that people are in when they visit and so on. Metrics are things like number of page views, uh, number of visitors and things like that. And what you actually do is you drag and drop these onto the page. So you literally drag and drop them with your mouse. And from that, you then get a value in. So you might say, okay, duration of stay greater than 10 minutes. And it will create a segment of all your data, but only for people that have stayed on the website for more than 10 minutes. So it's like a drag and drop querying tool then? Completely, completely. And what it allows you to do is, is break off segments of your audience or areas of your website or how people are interacting with the website mm. and then dig into them. So you set up these segments mm. um, and you can do as many as you like and you can make them as complicated or as simple as you like. So you could say people that stay more than 10 minutes uh, that are from a particular city that have looked at more than four pages. You could you could get really into the detail if you does it does it allow ands and ors absolutely you've got ands and ors in there so you can group different types of parameters you can say people have done this but haven't done this or or have done this mm-hmm. so you can build all these up and you create these segments and you save it as a segment and you call it what you want then when you go into the main interface in analytics um, you go through and you're looking at all your reports and you can look at all the normal reports but what you can now do on the top right hand side of the page. It's got a little button uh, that basically says all visits or segments. So all visits is how you look at things normally. So you look at all your visits mm-hmm. or you can choose one of your segments and just do all the normal reports on that particular segment of people. So it's much, much easier to actually uh, drill down and understand different groups of your audience and get a feel for what's going on. And it gives you a lot more flexibility than how we previously looked at doing it because it was a bit unwieldy doing it that way. So that's an absolutely fantastic way of understanding your audience and then trying to improve things based on that. This has to be a new feature because I haven't seen this before. Yeah, it's actually in beta at the moment and it's just come out uh, very recently in the last couple of weeks. You may go in and find it's not in your account yet. It's only on some accounts and they're rolling it out across the board. So so have a look in there and, and see what you find. Um, but from that, you've then got to decide what you're doing with that. Okay, And that brings me on to the website optimizer, which we've touched on before. But we haven't really gone into any detail on it because uh, it's a fair amount to explain. So I just wanted to walk you through the really basic steps. And quite a lot of people are put off by Website Optimizer because it sounds complicated, but it's fantastic. And what it allows you to do is to try different things with your web pages. So if you go into Google Analytics, you'll see Website Optimizer. And what happens is you click on that and it says, try a new experiment. So you try a new experiment and you've got two options. You can do A-B testing, which is literally when you set up two versions of a web page and you set them up being completely different. So you've got version one, version two, and those two versions of the web page, you can test which one is the most successful for you. Okay, that's the simplest level. So to do that, you literally come up with those two page names, you drop a bit of code into the page, and the user will get pointed to one of two different places. When they get pointed to those two different places, you'll then find that Google will record the data for you and tell you which page did better. Okay, now that's the basic level. That's good. If you're getting about a thousand page views or less a week, then go down that, that route because you haven't got enough people to actually test user amounts of data. If you're getting lots of visits, then there's something you can do called multivariance testing. Okay, and we've kind of we've discussed this before, but um, we never explained how you do it. So with multivariance testing, what you can do, you can change lots of different elements of the page and you can see which title works better, which picture works better, which wording works better. Okay. And in order to do that, 
let me just fiddle with my notes here just so I get all the, the terminology right. Um, you essentially have three different bits of code you put on the page. So you go into multivariance testing. And first of all, you say, okay, this is the page that I want to test. And this is the page that essentially is the page that's a conversion page. So I actually get through to filling a form in or buying something or something like that. And these are the bits of the page that I want to change. And Google will then give you three bits of code, three bits of JavaScript code that you need to put into your web page. First of all, you've got the control script that goes at the beginning of the page, just a little bit of JavaScript. You've got a tracking script that goes at the end of the page. So you're basically header and footering the HTML page in the first place. Yeah. Then you've got the page sections. And within the page, you will break down your page sections. So you might have three headings you want to do. And you can do three different page sections for each of those headings. You might have three pictures you want to test. So you put a page section in for each of those. So before each feature that you want to sort of segregate or test, you put this little snippet of code. That's right. And what will then happen is that when the page is sent... Uh, essentially a different version of the page will be sent to different users. But what you don't have to worry about is the fact that if one user comes in, they're not going to keep seeing different pages. Google will remember them and actually say, well, no, this is the version of the page you saw, so you'll see this page again. Mm. What you can then do is log into the analytics and go through, look at all your variations and see what impact that has on your conversions. So this version led to this, con- this many conversions, this version led to this many conversions, and you can see the overall impact that has. Now, that conversion doesn't need to be directly from that page. It could be a lot more steps down. But what you can look at is what impact is that page having on the overall conversion process. And just to reiterate with conversions, that might be somebody buying something, but it could also be somebody filling in a form, downloading a white paper, uh, making contacts, subscribing to an email. So just an action they're fulfilling. Anything that has a page that says thank you for doing something. So by doing this, you can then, first of all, what we were talking about earlier on, you segment up, you do the advanced segmentation, you look at your different users, you work out where they're going, what they seem to be liking, and where the bounce rates are. Bounce rates are the most important things because that tells you where people are leaving your website. Mm. You get your bounce rates, and then you look at the pages that have the highest bounce rates, and you try and improve those using Website Optimizer, and I'd really advise trying to do some multivariance testing on that page, particularly your homepage, because your homepage is always going to be the page that has the highest bounce rate. So what we try and do from that is say, okay, how can we improve this homepage to actually get less bounces? And we change the title, the heading. The slightest little things have a big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and bear in mind with this, though, that you are also changing things from a search engine point of view because search engines are going to see the page differently as well. So if you've got a page that's got fantastically good rankings, be cautious about how you do this because obviously the page changes to the page will also change how the page looks to Google, mm-hmm. and therefore it can impact on your search engine rankings. So be a bit cautious. We've seen people that have gone in with great rankings, done some variance testing, improved their conversion rate, but the, uh, their, their ranking in Google has actually gone down. So they've actually shot themselves in the foot a little bit there. So you've just got to try and stick to best practice for the search engine point of view at the same time. Um, there's no absolute answer, but it's a really good way of testing things out from there. Dan, is Website Optimizer part of Google Analytics or is it a separate part of Google? It's actually a separate part, but the best way of using it is doing it through Google Analytics because that way you automatically, it automatically plugs the code into Analytics and you can see very clearly what's going on, what's not. Optimizer will give you some data, but it's not as good when it's not tied in with Analytics. I'm not even sure now you can get it separately because they've tried to tie the two things together so much. Um, And when you particularly tie it in with segmentation, you get some really clear results and it, it can highlight some things you just wouldn't have imagined. Like um, you can suddenly see that there's a problem with your browser in a particular 
part of your website because your conversion rate is terrible in that area and it can bring up things you just wouldn't realize otherwise. So definitely worth doing uh, at the moment. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's proving harder and harder to get business in lots of areas because of you know, financial implications of various different things that are going on in the, in the kind of economic climate. So getting more from what you've got and making sure you're more competitive than your uh, key competitors is really important. Mm-hmm. So uh, Google Analytics is a fundamentally important tool for doing that at the moment. Can I just throw an interjection in here, if that is a real word, an interjection? Um, can you just remind us, because I know that Google Analytics, as well as talking to you know Optimizer and things like that, also talks to um, pay-per-click, does it not? Can you just refresh our memory how that works very briefly? Yeah, absolutely. With uh, If you've got Google AdSense um, or Google AdWords, oh, sorry, AdWords is the particular bit, but if you're looking at AdWords from using some pay-per-click advertising on Google, you can very clearly see your sources of traffic. So you can see what's come from Google or other search engines from natural organic search. But you can also see what's going on with your paid search. And then you get a lot more information because it integrates all the stats from your Google AdWords system directly into your analytics system as well. So you've got one great control panel that tells you where your traffic's coming from, how affected the different sources of traffic are. So email campaigns, pay-per-click, uh, natural search, those kind of things. Tells you how many conversions you're getting. Um, it tells you where people are dropping out and then you can improve your website. So you've got a good kind of 360 visibility on what's going on. Um, one of the important things with this though is to not forget that some people will pick up the phone. So you might not see some conversions, but people are picking up the phone. And one thing we're really advising people to do lately is try and get separate telephone numbers for their website to what they use in their other marketing. For the fact you can then work out, okay, 
they've come to our website, they've read it, they've then left and picked up the phone, or they may have seen a print advert, but eventually they've gone to the website and so on. So mm. try and work out what's working in your marketing. And just like you're using analytics to assess what's coming through your website, try and tie that in with some telephone numbers as well so you can actually see how many telephone calls you're getting from your website as well and you'll see the overall picture then. Sounds like a very powerful tool. Well, Dan, thank you so much for that. Is there anything further you wish to say on this topic? No, I think that's it for now. Next time we're going to have a look at content management systems, something that a lot of people have been talking about. Uh, Me and Andy were having a conversation about it earlier on and how you can use open source content management systems for building really effective websites that have loads of functionality very, very easily. Uh, we look at Drupal and Joomla and some other things that are out there. And we'll talk about things like Zencart and what have you that allow you to build e-commerce sites really easily as well. So we'll get into content management systems and how you can build websites easily. And we'll actually touch on WordPress as well, because it's another tool that's quite good for building websites. Okay, well, Dan, thank you so much for that. We will now move on to the second section of the show, which is an interview I did with Ian Oswald of showbedo.com. Enjoy. I'm speaking to Ian Oswald of showbedo.com. Ian, hello. Hi there, Andy. Now, Ian, I love your site. It's I've been on it quite a lot. Tell us a little bit about it again. So Show Me Do is a video tutorial website. Uh, the idea is that you go to the website and then you can see programming videos by other people who are highly skilled, just sharing their knowledge with you. Think about having someone who can program in a room with you, showing you how to program, and here you can watch them 24-7. So it's a place to come and learn new languages, is it? New languages and new software, mostly open source based. So things like the OpenOffice word processor, Inkscape drawing tools and the Python programming language. Can people join and sort of put their own videos on? Absolutely. So anyone who uh, who has the skill to make a video uh, and share it with other people can join the website and up, uh, upload their videos. And they're encouraged to because the idea is that you can take anyone who has just taken the brain damage over the years uh, learning a set of difficult skills and then sharing them around the world uh, with our 100,000 users a month uh, who are all just keen to learn about open source software. Okay, now Ian, I'm particularly interested in how you have promoted Show Me Do mm-hmm. using internet marketing. Just before we do that, just tell us how long you've been going. So the website is almost three years old to the day. We launched it, uh, I think it was Christmas 2005. And what techniques are you using to promote it? Well, when we started, we'd never built a website of this kind before. And we were building it in our spare time at the beginning to satisfy our own need because a website for video tutorials didn't exist at the time. And because of that, we uh, we didn't know how to market it either. So we just did the things that other people did with programming websites. So we run our own blog. Uh, we collected email addresses and sent out uh, emails. And we, uh, because we hold videos showing you how to use popular applications, the websites for those popular applications link back to our videos. So those are the main techniques that we started with. Uh, and then uh, over the last year, I've spent time getting, uh, getting podcast interviews, so a bit like this one, uh, and doing interviews in magazines. So they're all online magazines, PDFs rather than uh, older print magazines. Okay, let's, let's talk about the email first. I'm interested how you actually got your email addresses. Whenever a user signs up, uh, they have to put their, their email address into the website, uh, and then we give them the option of uh, subscribing to our email newsletter. And then every month or two months, I send out uh, an email. We've got around 10,000 users now signed up for the, uh, the email. Um, and so uh, when I write those uh, emails, we can see quite a measurable uh, difference in traffic coming through to the website, maybe an extra few hundred people per day for a couple of weeks after sending out the email. And what's the content of the email newsletter, Ian? So the, uh, the email mostly concentrates on the new videos that are in the website because you come to the website to learn a new skill. If we've got videos that interest you, you're going to come along and watch the videos. 
so the, the email concentrates on the popular topics and the new topics that we're carrying. It also tells you how to make your own videos and encourages you to come along and share your knowledge. Uh, and it points out uh, the, the economic side of the website, which is our club, which is a, a paying area. And inside there you get extra special tutorials that we put together and um, spent more time uh, building those up. And so yeah, I guess the, uh, the point of the email is to tell you about all the new things that are there and encourage you to get more involved with the website. So it's basically useful information with links back to the website then? Absolutely. It's not, uh, it's not really a sales tool. We don't promote anybody else. We do mention the club that you can pay for in our website, but that always gets uh, a cursory mention. We don't try to push that too hard. It's all about encouraging you to come along and learn new skills and share your skills. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the blog now. I mean, is this something, were you blogging about this before the site actually launched? No, I put the blog up after we'd launched the site realizing that other projects uh, I found out about their updates via their blogs uh, and then went to investigate their projects so it was an obvious thing that I should try um, I put the blog up the blog in isolation doesn't do a lot because nobody knows about it of course we got ourselves onto two of the main aggregators for one of the major programming languages that we support Python uh, by going onto those aggregators whenever I wrote a blog entry it would go out to about 2,000 readers and then from that, uh, at that point, I could see a measurable change in traffic for about a week after the blog entries went out. And then that was two and a half years ago, and I've been blogging ever since. Okay, now let me just just try and understand this, because I'm a very slow thinker, you see. And you mentioned an aggregator. Is this like a, a, a big RSS feed that your RSS feed sort of merges into? Yes, that's right. So uh, it's an uber RSS feed. All of the Python programmers uh, who like to blog get onto this aggregator. And if you sign up to the aggregator, you can probably receive about 50 50 posts a day, maybe 100 posts a day from bloggers around the world talking about Python. And then the show me do blog entries go into this uh, same feed. And so they get exposed to a couple of thousand people in the space of a few days. And the blog entry tends to be carried on the feed for about a week uh, before it drops off. Okay. And what sort of content is, is in the blog? Is it just the videos themselves? Or is it sort of editorial about various aspects of Python or whatever? Mostly I announce new videos as they come in. Um, the, uh, one of the things is, if you enter a video into Show Me Do, you want to know that people are going to watch it, and so we have to go and find you an audience. And so when somebody submits a video, especially for new users who are submitting videos, I go and do publicity on their behalf so that I can get through a couple of thousand people to come and watch their videos and leave commentary for them, thanking them for their effort. Uh, so the easiest way to publicize new videos is the blog. But uh, as you mentioned, uh, offering editorial is also very useful, and so we can talk about techniques used by other users to make videos new topics that could be covered, uh, requests that we have for topics that should be covered, uh, and uh, announces about new news in the site, so new features uh, and things you should come and check out. Now, Ian, I'm interested in how you actually measure how effective... I mean, so far we've talked about email and we've talked about the blog. How do you actually measure, for example, how effective the blog is? I use Google Analytics for all of my visitor stats, and so I can see that my, my background readership is around 100, uh, 100 reads a day. And when I put out a blog entry which goes to one of the Python aggregators, then I go up to about 300 reads a day, and that lasts for about a week. And then it tails off uh, back to 100 a day at the end of a second week. Uh, so you can see a very clear relationship between putting a blog entry up that goes out to the aggregator and the change in visitor incomings. Now, I'm very interested in these podcast interviews you've been doing because I get the impression that if you become 
sort of known as a bit of an expert in a, in a certain area, you can do interviews if, you, if you're happy to do interviews. Now, I'm particularly interested in how did you get yourself out there? How did you get people to say, Ian, well, I did, oh, I did, I knew you personally, but how did you get other people to say, Ian, um, please come on our show and talk about Show Me Do or, or how to, you know, produce screen capture videos or whatever? How, how did you do that? So the, the last two big interviews that I've, uh, I've done with podcasting, the first one was, was with the Ubuntu UK podcasting team. And they were users of Show Me Do, and we'd been talking by email beforehand. And then they invited me to come and have a chat because they saw that I covered many Ubuntu Linux videos uh, in Show Me Do. Uh, and they were interested in getting me to come along and have a chat to encourage more Linux users to make Show Me Do videos to teach other people how to use Linux. Uh, so I was happy to go and drive out to Southampton and uh, spend an afternoon with the team out there recording the interview. Um, and then most recently, I did an interview with the biggest Python podcaster. Uh, a guy called Ron Stevens of uh, Python 411. And then that interview, we were just talking on email and uh, we talked about doing an interview. Uh, and then a couple of months later, we realized that we had a slot that was convenient. Uh, and so a few weeks ago, I recorded that interview. So it was mainly sort of just the traditional networking, I suppose. Wasn't it? You knew that you knew these people. Uh, yes, we were, we've, we've never met in, uh, never met physically beforehand. Um, and the interview with Python 411, that was via Skype from West Coast US through to me here in Brighton. Uh, so we've, we've never met. Um, and the Ubuntu guys, I drove out to see them in Southampton. Um, but yes, it was purely through networking on email. And did you see big spikes in traffic after those interviews? Yes, uh, I could uh, attribute about a thousand uh, new, new users, I think, to both interviews. That's fantastic. What tips would you give to anyone that uh, might be a bit nervous about being interviewed about their speciality? Just get on with it. You will be nervous. Um, you will fear that you're going to flub. Um, but just make sure you've got a couple of points that you want to make uh, and, and have a chat. Get on with it. Um, getting out there is the most important thing uh, rather than worrying about perfection and uh, waiting for that right day. Just get on with it. Have you had clients come to you that, that say, oh, I've, I heard you being interviewed on such and such? Um, with Show Me Do, we haven't, we haven't looked for clients, but with a separate screencasting operation that I run, with magazine interviews, I've certainly been approached and I'm looking to do podcast interviews uh, around professional screencasting. And I would believe that that would uh, drive, uh, drive new clients to me, yes. So they were traditional editorial written magazine interviews, were they? Traditional written magazines, but for e-magazines, so PDFs, uh, not printed media. And how were you approached on those? Uh, just the same again, um, just networking via email, um, people who use Show Me Do uh, and wanted to, uh, wanted to get me to write an article uh, to explain what we're doing for, for the benefit of their readers. Well, Ian, that's absolutely fantastic advice here. What general tips would you give to anyone who has an online business perhaps similar to yours for promoting it? Mm, tricky question. Uh, if we always leave the trickiest ones to last. <laughs> um, if you've got free content and it's genuinely useful content, so show me do seven eighths of the websites are free and it's all about tutorial videos uh, and they're all very useful. They really do teach you new skills. Um, if you've got that kind of content, you will find that people who have related sites will be happy to link to you because the users of their websites will benefit from your content and it's free. Um, there, uh, there's no obstruction for their users coming through and uh, watching your content. Uh, and so they'd, uh, they'd love to come and uh, link to you. 
If you've got all of your content behind a paywall uh, or some kind of firewall, do strongly consider taking some of that content uh, from behind those restrictions and making it publicly available. And then do promote it so that the people who can benefit from it know to link to it. Because often I've found that they, uh, they're very happy to put up a link to good quality free information. And that just drives uh, a new source of users over to you. Ian Oswald from Show Me Do, thank you very, very much indeed. And just before we go, just once again, that full web address that people need to go to if they want to check out the website? The full web address is showmedo, S-H-O-W-M-E-D-O dot com. So it's show me how to do things. That was the idea behind the name. Ian Oswald, thank you very, very much indeed. Thank you very much, Andy. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Now, we would really like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, send them to info at ai-digital.com and feel free to send in MP3 files as well and we'll play them. If you're a subscriber, we'd like to thank you for your valuable time. If you haven't subscribed yet and you'd like this show delivered to your earbuds automatically, you can find Internet Marketing on iTunes. Just search under the Business and Marketing and Management categories Or you can find us at FeedBurner at feeds.feedburner.com slash academyim. We'd also encourage you to leave comments on iTunes. Well, this is Andy White signing off, wishing you the best until we see you next time on Internet Marketing. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.